welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. I hope everyone's having a blessed day today. I think probably everybody's having a better day than the guy that was flying his plane over Bullhead City, Arizona yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw that. Kind of some humor this morning. Well, for everybody but this guy, apparently there's a guy in a, he's like kind of practicing his plane, learning how to fly. And if you guys know, whenever the president comes in for a rally, they have a temporary no-fly zone. I'm mean, the whole section. Any place Trump's in, the airport he's in, it, it's locked down. And so in Bullhead City, Arizona, Trump had his rally yesterday, and I guess he's having his rally. And uh, the guy training didn't happen to, uh, I guess, know that there was no fly zone. So he's buzzing his little plane over the rally, and all of a sudden the F-16s get deployed on him, and he's not on his radio. They pop flares on him to get his attention until he gets on his radio and basically escort him away from the scene, and they have not given any other reports of what happened to him. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he got in a little bit of trouble for that, but uh, that's why it's just important. i got a lot of buddies that fly. Dad knows a lot of people that fly. you got you got a whole other level of accountability when you're up in a plane flying around. You better darn well make sure you know where you're going and make sure the president's having a rally. You're not flying into it. But I thought that was just a little bit of humor, at least for everybody else. I'm sure the guy that was flying that plane did not think it was funny after the situation happened, though, Deb. <laughs> well, the, the thing about it is people don't realize, and I, I've got a lot of friends who fly, they have what's called a, a notum, which is a notice to airmen. And that's that's a, basically an advisory from the FAA that you know the president's in the area, and like they have a notum over in Tampa, they it's thirty miles in all directions. You can't fly a small plane. And of course, the reason for that is security. They don't want you loading up the plane with C four, <laughs> which they think that you probably could. But the problem with these little tiny planes, and these F 16s know that. Some of these little one fifty twos. I mean, these things fly like it's. 60, 70 miles an hour. Some of them land like at 38 miles an hour. They're trainer planes so people can be taught how to fly without, you know, hurting themselves. And they can't carry any weight. I remember a, a few, uh, last year, about a year and a half ago, I flew down to visit a friend of mine in Palm Beach. And I have a friend of mine who's a pilot and he had a little trainer, a little, like a little 152. And we flew down there. And, you know, because it was going to be quicker than driving for four hours, I figured I could fly down there in, you know, in 30 minutes. And, boy, was I wrong. This little plane was so slow, we could have literally driven as fast as we had, had flown. And then we're flying like at 2,000 feet. It's unbelievably hot. Uh, no AC in the plane. Uh, you know, sweat like I'm in a sauna. And my daughter was in the back seat. And, my, and I was in the front seat with the pilot. And then uh, I said to the pilot, I said, let's go higher where it'll be a little cooler. And he says, we can't. I said, what do you mean we can? He goes, we've already, you know, we're at maximum weight. And I said, what do you mean maximum weight? We have three people in one little suitcase in there. He goes, we're done. We're maxed. We can't put any more weight in the plane. And I said to him, I said, this is pathetic. And he said, well, this is a trainer. And I said, shoot. I said, I said, you know, as much as I'm having to pay to rent this little plane for a couple hours, I said, I thought it would take 30 minutes down. It wasn't 30 minutes. It was over an hour. Like an hour and a half to fly down there. And finally we get over Lake Okeechobee. And he gets real nervous, and he goes, well, I really don't know what to do with this little trainer, you know, over this big body of water full of gators. <laughs> I said, wait, you should have thought about that when you rented the plane. I said, maybe we should have flown on the outside edge of Lake Okeechobee, because I don't necessarily want to have a forced landing in the middle of Lake Okeechobee with a bunch of alligators. Well, well, we'll see if we can make it. I'm like, see if we can make it. Those are words you never want to hear from a pilot, friends. See if we can make it. See if this is going to be okay. And you want to have confidence coming from the pilot. 
Well, we made it. I got there. I was soaking wet. I mean, just, I mean, I needed to get in the shower. I stunk to high heaven. Uh, you know, Alexis in the backseat, she's all wore out because, you know, she's unbelievably hot. And she had to fly all the way back with the pilot. And I told Sharon when I got back to, to, to Tallahassee, I'm back to Central Florida. And what happened is my friends got a plane, the, 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 a nicer, much nicer plane, the, the, the person I knew down at Palm Beach. And he flew me back up when he headed back to St. Louis the following two days later because so I didn't have to deal with that trainer again. So my hat's off to all you guys that are training to be pilots in these little 152s. Uh, those are some really, really small airplanes that don't carry much weight. Uh, it, it was so funny. He goes, well, we, we had to trade fuel for weight. He says, we had to have enough fuel to make it down here. So the plane's full. And so we have to take more of the fuel out of the wing and basically get, it was so funny how you had to do this, what's called a weight imbalance on these airplanes, these little bitty ones, because you have to trade fuel for passengers. You have to trade fuel for luggage. You guys don't realize that if you don't fly. But if you've got a gross weight of a plane, then let's say the plane carries 50 gallons of fuel. That's like a six gallons, six pounds a gallon. That's 300 pounds of fuel you're carrying. Some of these planes, you have to only fill them up halfway so you can put another person on the plane. Kid you not. So uh, I feel sorry for the guy who didn't read the note of Austin, who basically decided to fly over the Trump rally and wave at everybody. And I'm sure if he was a student, he probably got fussed at because he probably hadn't taken his FFA written exam yet, as he wouldn't have known any better. But if he would have been a licensed pilot and he would have done that, he would have got himself in trouble, probably would have lost his ability to fly. So I'm, I'm glad he's okay. Like you, like you said, Austin, I haven't heard anything else about it. But it's a, it's a funny story for everybody but him to start the show out today, buddy. What's your next story? <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about it. Also, too, it's interesting. I was reading an article on uh, when market watch come, uh, websites today, you know, as everybody saw yesterday, pretty much the Dow Jones dropped like a thousand points yesterday, like nine hundred something. Everything free falls. Everybody's spooking out about what's going on. It's interesting the fear porn that market watch is still putting out on a regular basis. And one of the articles that came out was said, here are all the reasons why the COVID-19 cases are surging again. And it goes on to say all this stuff about how because people are basically getting pandemic fatigue and they don't want to social distance anymore. And now people are actually hanging out with one another for vacation and for holidays on the inside. And people are socializing indoors. And pretty much the entire aspect of what it said was, it's all your fault that we're having COVID pandemic still because you don't want to completely and totally ruin your life and not see your family and sit inside or hang out or go see people and enjoy your life and live life. That's basically what it said. You, it's everybody's fault that doesn't want to do all this still after eight or nine months because you don't follow orders is what they implied in this. And now what's interesting with it, as we've blatantly seen now, even from the CDC and numerous numbers, we now know that, I think I saw an article yesterday, they were saying there was over 50,000 of the deaths that were on the COVID certificate were actually heart attacks, but they were COVID-related deaths because the COVID may have caused the heart attack. And I find it interesting because I've looked at a lot of these death numbers and the numbers that are coming in. I brought you guys the same article yesterday, similar article about the flu, how the flu is essentially non-existent now in the Southern Hemisphere. And they're saying even in the Northern Hemisphere now, there's like no flu cases, like none. They're not like none, zero, because everything switched to COVID now. Everything's COVID related. And that's to keep the pandemic going until they can get this vaccine together. Because remember, as soon as the vaccine comes out, if anybody gets sick from the vaccine, which there will be, if anybody has adverse conditions, 
they're never going to get blamed on the vaccine. They're going to switch back over to the, oh, he had a heart attack now. Oh, he basically had some other illness that came about now. It had nothing to do with the vaccine. The same thing's going to go with COVID cases. If they want to control the narrative, all they have to do now is start taking money away from the hospitals as far as incentivizing them to put down COVID deaths. That's all they have to do if they want to level the numbers back out. Because remember, right now, these hospitals get tens of thousands of dollars for every single COVID death. That's not speculation. That's a fact. This was seen primarily in the $2.2 trillion stimulus bill that was pushed out. So you now have given the hospitals, the doctors, et cetera, a monetary incentive to make sure they have as many COVID deaths as possible. And now they keep saying, oh, the COVID rates are going up. There's more COVID cases. First off, just because somebody tests positive on one of these tests that's completely and totally not accurate, as we've already been told now by numerous sources that have worked with these tests, just because somebody tests positive does not actually make that a case verbatim in the scientific world. However, they count that as a case now. If somebody's asymptomatic and they're completely healthy and they have no symptoms and they test positive on a test, that's not a case. That's simply a positive test. They're not in the hospital. They're not sick. They're not having some type of significant side effect and illness from the virus at all. But it doesn't matter. They have to push the numbers up as high as they can, as fast as they can, to continue to maintain the narrative. That's why I told you I talked to one of our good friends who's in here today, one of our listeners. His wife works at the hospital in the next city over. And they have a whole, you know, COVID ward like they've set up now. She said currently right now there's three people in the COVID ward. Three, three people. She said, hasn't really changed much. Person here, person there. Pretty much almost all of them are recovering. It's not what they're making it out to be at all. And what's ironic is, remember, Florida opened up over a month ago. And, oh, remember, all hell was supposed to break loose when Florida opened back up. The mainstream media, all the hardcore leftists in the Washington, including Fauci, it's a horrible idea. It's completely irresponsible for DeSantis. Florida's going to turn into an unbelievably big hot spot. They're not going to know what to do. They're going to get overgrown with people in the hospitals. Well, actually, the complete opposite's happened. We haven't had any significant spike in hospital in minutes whatsoever. They're saying the cases are still high. Every day we have more cases. Yeah, because you have idiots that are lining up in their cars to go get tested at basically these road checkpoint test centers, and then all of a sudden, oh, you tested positive, you have to quarantine now, and they go, oh, okay, well, I don't, I don't feel bad, but whatever. It's because any virus whatsoever will set up a positive alert on that, even a virus that's asymptomatic, any virus. And then, of course, we've seen the cases and heard the cases and talked to people firsthand repeatedly about people who have gone to these centers, filled out the forms, waited for hours on end, and finally said, I've had enough. It's good nook. In German, I'm done. I'm leaving. Goodbye. Farewell. All of a sudden, they get a phone call or an email that day or the next day saying, hey, you tested positive, but I didn't take a test. Oh, you tested positive right here on your form. I didn't take a test. How did I test positive? Well, you tested positive. Now you have to quarantine, and you basically have to set up your app on your phone to trace what's going on. That's where everything is coming to now is to more and more and more surveillance. That's been one of the biggest things that has occurred now with this COVID incident is surveillance.
surveillance, 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 surveillance. Everything is about your protection now. It's about protecting everyone else. So you have to completely and totally give up your entire aspect of freedom and privacy so you can be protected. This is what we're now seeing more and more now with what's happened with big tech. Big tech and all these social media platforms now are all saying, we're monitoring this and we're going in now and we're removing this and censoring this because it violates our policy. Well, if you've noticed now, as Jack Dorsey got hammered the other day in a congressional hearing over this of what Twitter did a couple weeks ago with what happened with the incident with uh, the New York Times, that posted an article on Twitter, and they got banned. They're still banned. He said, well, they need to go in and remove the article, and they will no longer be banned, and then they can post it again. I mean, just full-blown censorship. But then anything that they want to have up, it doesn't matter. It doesn't violate their terms and conditions because it's what they want to have up. And now we're seeing, I have no idea, the validity of this. I know Carl Tucker, Tucker Carlson pitched a fit about this, and apparently they had a bunch of evidence that was priority mailed to them to Fox News, and now they're saying that when the package arrived, it was empty. It had basically been cut open and retaped, and everything inside the package was gone. Contents were fully empty. Now, I have no idea the validity of this. That's what he said. Now, I have no idea if this is just something that basically caused more confusion about what's going on, but I do know one thing. All the information that's been coming out about the whole Biden crime family is extremely bad for business, especially when it comes to the entire government green swamp up there in Washington. Because I can almost guarantee you, if Biden was involved in this stuff and his son was involved in this stuff during one time he was VP, then you have, you guarantee you have articles that are going to be linking back to Hillary and linking back to Obama and so forth because of what everybody was involved in over there. So there's probably a lot of stuff they don't want getting released, and whether or not it got tampered with, I don't know, but I can tell you one thing. They do not want this stuff being talked about. There's a reason why big tech and social media platforms have literally been censoring almost any and every article that come out talking about the Biden crime family, so to speak. I guess you could start calling them now. The the Clinton crime family, the Biden crime family, they're all a bunch of giant criminals now. And the issues that we've seen with what happened in that that administration are probably some of the most criminal that we've ever seen in recorded history in the United States. I mean, I think if the American population actually saw the truth about what happened all the way from Hillary to Benghazi, because we know what happened in Benghazi, and everything that trickles down the line, It would probably make Nixon look like a Christmas vacation compared to what actually that administration was involved in then. Well, you know, I I never met Richard Nixon, uh, but I was there. I remember remember when I was in high school and all the stuff with Watergate was going on, and we were all so over it. I mean, the news media, all it did was cover it, cover it, cover it all the time. It was like specials, all-night specials, all-day specials, all-day hearing specials. It was ridiculous. And uh, finally, you know, we all said, you know, this is stupid. Because remember, back then, we didn't have 500 cable ch- channels to pick from. We didn't have cable, all right? Well, it, it didn't exist. We had an antenna. And so what happened is, you know, we had like seven or eight or ten channels. And all of a sudden, all the channels get consumed with Nixon. Can't even watch TV without having to listen to all this stuff all the time. And we were all over it. And, you know, finally he resigned. And, you know, then, of course, Gerald Ford pardoned him. Of course, Gerald Ford wasn't reelected. It was just a big mess. I did I did know Gerald Ford. I did do a seminar with him years and years ago before he died. And he was a nice guy. And he got kind of caught up in this thing as the vice president. But Nixon, you know, Nixon was a career criminal. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't a good person. But the reality is 
a lot of the stuff that Nixon did, like getting us out of Vietnam and telling the truth about the Vietnam War and a lot of these other things, he was okay. But again, he was selected to be a president. You can do the research on who selected him and everything else. By the way, I was uh, watching, I looked at Drudge this morning. Every once in a while, I still go back to Drudge. It's turned into this giant propaganda website. And it really has become super, super liberal. And Matt Drudge, you know, he's, he's Jewish and he's gay. And apparently he's gone over to this dark side now and he's no longer giving all news any longer. He just puts out all the stuff he wants to put out. And for various reasons, it's always going to be maintaining the narrative. But this morning he put an article out and it says the end of the world, the new world will allow the Antichrist to rise is coming. Now, I thought that was interesting. So I clicked on it. And I thought, well, let's see what he has to say about it. He goes, well, the new world, which will allow the Antichrist to come on its way, is, is, is happening right now, you know, as we speak. And so I started reading this article, and, it, and, it's, and it's got this guy, basically, who was an alt-media guy. And he's making all of these claims. And he goes, the coronavirus pandemic will lead to a one-world kingdom, as will force many people to rely on the government, a new theory claims. The logic behind the latest theory is that increased lockdowns and mandatory vaccines where global economies become more entwined, according to this theory, and it will allow the Antichrist to come out and prosper. Now, here's what's interesting about this whole article. It goes into detail and starts talking about COVID lockdown restrictions. It starts talking about vaccines. It says we'll acquire or build new isolation facilities across the land and initiate. So he's going into this whole thing about what's going on. Now, he's talking about the Antichrist, but not one time in this article does he mention Israel. Not at all. Not at once. Not, not once. Not one time in this article does he mention the rebuilding of the third temple. Not one time. Now, I thought to myself, well, this is kind of crazy. I mean, how in the world can he be talking about this and not talking about the third temple? But here's what he says, and here's what you get right here. This is, this is the narrative. But our God has his time frame in place when he will send his son Jesus Christ to re-enter our time and space to both snatch the body of Christ to safety, the rapture of the church, and then destroy what mankind and Satan have endeavored to create. So here we go. Again, what he does is he increases and strengthens the narrative of the rapture so the Christians don't do anything. So the Christians sit back and go, oh, don't worry about this. We knew this was coming. Here's the plan. And when we basically get raptured, we get to sit up in the heavenly grandstands and watch all this. But nothing will happen to us here on this planet while we are waiting for these events to take place. Again, friends, for some reason, nobody else wants to talk about this except for our show. And I know it's one of those things that's difficult to break the narrative as far as the Schofield Reference Bible and Zionism in Israel and the rebuilding of the Third Temple. But I have to stay focused on that particular topic. Why? Because this explains the entire thing that we have going on right now, if you want to call it a thing. This COVID lockdown, the drop of the stock market, this incredible amount of despair all over the planet now and rioting all over the planet it's all being done on purpose by these cabals who run the planet right now there's a poll that just got released in France 79% of French the French people believe that Islam has declared war on their country 
A new poll conducted after the beheading of a teacher in Paris. By the way, another one was beheaded yesterday, but this time this older lady was beheaded in a church in Nice. Just thought I'd mention that. They walked into the church and cut her head off. I mean, this is insane what's going on. A new poll conducted after the beheading of a teacher in Paris has found that 79% of French people believe that Islam has declared war on France. The murder prompted numerous mass protest marches across the state and the country in defense of free speech and against the Islamic takeover of France. Disorder in France's migrant-dominated suburbs has become so chronic that they are calling for the military to be sent in. Over 250 French people have been killed as a result of Islamic attacks since 2015. Now, I'm going to stop here for one second. Years ago, Sharon and I went to France. We've been to France many times. Love the country. I really do. Loathe Paris. Paris is bleh, okay? Horrible, horrible people live in Paris. Even, even the French don't like the Parisians, okay? They're horrible. They, they, quite frankly, they suck. They lie, they cheat, they steal. The cab drivers, you can't trust them. It's unbelievable. I told you that time when I actually went there, and they took me to the wrong terminal at the airport at 5 o'clock in the morning to catch a flight on purpose and dumped us off with our bags miles away from the other terminal and a, a guy who was driving a tram stops and what are you guys doing on the sidewalk because there were no taxis and I said we've been dumped off he goes well, this place is not even open for like six hours he goes they did it to you on purpose they know that so he got us in the tram and took us to the right terminal or we would have missed our flight that's 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 Paris alright so we went to one of the old churches up on a hill that overlooked Paris we took a taxi up there and the taxi said, I said, can you wait for us? And he goes, absolutely not. This place is not safe. And I'm like, well, that's nice to know. I'm glad you took us here. And he lets us off. He just disappears. Man, like, you know, he goes, burning rubber as he leaves. I'm like, what the heck? So we're like walking around up there, and we're looking to the church, come down to the church, and all of a sudden, there are no taxis. They wouldn't go up there. So I told Sharon, I said, well, we got a little map of the city, which, by the way, is one of the things you don't want to do when you're in a city that you don't know where you are is to pull out a map to let everybody know you're a tourist and you're a sweet duck. That's basically what it is, because they want to come rob you or basically mug you. So here I am holding my map up to myself, well, we got to get a taxi. So then I went to the people at the church there. They had a little concession stand. I said, we need a taxi. Oh, they don't come here. And I'm like, why? Because of the Muslims. Ah, now we're getting, now we're talking about what's going on, right? What do you mean because of the Muslims? Oh, this whole area is covered with Muslims. They're all scared. I'm like, well, I didn't know that. Well, what the heck are we doing here? We don't know what you're doing here. You shouldn't be here. I'm like, okay, that's just wrong. So here we are walking. It's got me and Sharon. I forgot. We had one of the kids with us. I forgot which kid it was. Probably was Savannah. So now we start walking back downtown, which is like two miles away, to catch a cab. And all of a sudden, here they are. Mattresses on the streets. Mattresses on the sidewalks. People camping out of the medians. All Muslims. Oh, yeah. And, we're, and I told Sharon, I said, this is really not someplace I really want to be. And so finally, we're like wandering around. Now I'm trying to like put the map away so people don't see me pulling a map out. I think to myself, this is just getting really sketchy. This is Paris, friends. So finally, I see a taxi drive by. I scream and run out of the road. That runs over me. He stops. Says, what are you doing here? It's not safe. And I'm like, can you get us back to down to you know to the main area where we are hotel? And he goes, yes, get in quickly. And I'm like, what the heck? This is like a nightmare. That's Paris. So now I can understand why 79% of French believe that Islam has declared war on their country, and now they're running around going into the churches down there in Nice, which is a really fancy area, right by Monte Carlo, and they're lopping off heads. 
So, yeah, you think about it. You're sitting in church trying to pray. Some guy shows up with a dog on machete or a knife, yells Allah Akbar, and decides he's going to whack your head off, and you're sitting there, and you're an old woman. What are you going to do? Well, chances are you're going to get your head cut off. So here we are. And again, you think about this. Why are the Muslims doing this? Well, number one, we took them out of their countries in Africa, in the Middle East, and we allowed them to come into Europe via the pipeline Angela Merkel set up because she's a hardcore communist from the Soviet Union and she's a globalist tool, is all she is, from the Rothschild banking cartel. And she allowed millions and millions of people to come into Europe through Germany, into France, all over the place, all over Europe, to cause the giant war between the Christians and the Muslims. I talked about this on Monday. This is what they want. This is pushed out in the letters from Manzini to Pike and Mike Pike to Manzini that they want to have three world wars. And they want to have the Christians and the Muslims kill each other off, 90% reduction of the population of the planet, so the Kabbalists can come out then and take over the planet and enslave the rest of us. This is the goal of these nutbags. And so they're trying to push this war between Christendom and the Muslims. And now we see this happening in France. And I saw it and personally experienced how sketchy it is. And here's the problem. If I had been over there, and I'd have been like, you know, and I'd have had a FNN 45 battle pistol with a 17 round magazine running hollow points. Of course, with 45s, you don't really need hollow points. Just for the heck of it, would have hollow points in it since I'm doing a scenario here. And I'd have an entire belt line of different magazines all the way across. And I'm running around with 200, 200 rounds of magazines of you know, ammo. I'd have felt a lot more comfortable. I mean, I really would have. The problem is, you, you draw down on a group of people like this that are basically going to scream Allah Akbar, you're going to have to shoot 50 or 100 of them to get them to stop if you can reload that fast. I'm being very direct with you guys right now. I'm being very clear. Think about this for a second. You get yourself into a situation where you've got 101 odds against you, the best thing you can do is keep that pistol in your side holster, keep it covered up, and exit the scene as quickly as you possibly can and hope you don't have yeah. to draw your weapon. Yep. Just get out of there. Like I did. I jumped in the taxi. and said, get me out of here, guys. And plus, I had no weapon. What do you think, Austin? <laughs> Sometimes, like the saying goes, you got to live to fight another day. There's been a lot of scenes like this, and we've seen this in, you know, scenario after scenario with a lot of the riots and fighting and protests that are going on. There's a lot of times, guys, it's best just to walk away or don't even be there at all. If you are there, just exit the scene if it's getting super, super hot. A lot of times the problem is now due to Hollywood and due to this big misconception that, you know, when people get shot, they just get shot and fall on the ground and die. Um, it's not that. It's, it's violent. It's bloody. It's messy. It's loud. And people constantly want to escalate stuff nowadays, as we've seen this so much. They want to push it, push it, push it. And the problem is, like Dad said, you know, if you're somewhere and you have multiple friends with you and you're well-armed and you're, you know, more of a security team, that's a different story. But if you're with your wife somewhere and you're out and about, sometimes you just got to play it low-key and get out of there. That's why they say a lot of times, you know, in mass shootings, if a shooting occurs and you start having people show up in their shooting, you know, the first thing to do is get cover. Even if you're armed, I don't care what you're doing, is get cover. Get something to get behind. So if you do have to draw your weapon and you're taking fire, you're not going to get shot in the face right off the rip. 
this is a big misconception that a lot of people that don't train regularly have is they, they hear something happen. Oh, isn't this? Okay, I'm going to pull my gun out and run around now. Well, first off, the thing you've got to make sure of is if there's other people there with firearms, they don't also shoot you if they're patriots. That's something people don't think about. You get in a shooting, people start blasting off rounds. All of a sudden, you pull out your gun and you're waving it around. Not only are other people may think you're the shooter, law enforcement employees, they may think you're the shooter. You have to be very, very careful about that if you get in that situation. That's why it's best to get behind a column, get behind a wall that may be hard or solid, get some cover to a point where you can get back, assess the situation, and then if you need to engage with deadly force to save your life or save someone else's life, you have the ability to do so. But don't just go popping off the rip and be like, okay, I'm here now. I'm going to be Rambo, run around, start shooting at everybody. Because in most cases, in most cases, it's not going to go the way you want. As I've talked to a buddy of mine who's the sheriff's department. He's on SWAT. And he's always told me that. He said, dude, de-escalation or basically take a step back and assess it, especially if you're in a civilian. He said, now, if you're law enforcement, it's a different story. He said, we kind of have to, we have to engage at some point in time when you see this. He said, but from a civilian standpoint, the best thing to do is get out of the situation. They call it get off the X. You're in the hot spot. If you're out in the open, you're in the hot spot. There is no protection. There is no cover. It's very difficult to defend yourself, especially if you're by yourself, because you may see a guy pull out a gun down the hallway you pull out your firearm to return fire, which you don't realize there's another guy walking up behind you with a 12-gauge shotgun. You don't even see him. So you've got to be very careful in those situations. That's extremely right about that. And speaking of riots, this is interesting now. Fox 29 News has broken the story on this, that Philadelphia police were ordered not to arrest looters by First Deputy Police Commissioner Melvin Singleton. And if anybody has seen the photos now of Philadelphia, it's absolutely chaotic. I mean, pretty much almost every store in downtown that has value, Nike, Walmart, any of these ones, they've been, I mean, I'm talking fully looted, broken into, kicked in, completely and totally ripped apart, stolen everything out of, and left. And now we're finding that the police commissioner had a do not arrest order. They said extremely frustrated officers, both patrol and commanders, said overnight they were ordered not to arrest looters, just disperse them, said Fox 29 News. And they go, they're going on to say now that this is very troubling, as we're starting to see now. Yesterday, when police announced the number of arrests in Monday and Tuesday, looting charges were for burglary and points out no calls for burglary will be responded to by the department that leaves no deterrent to stop looting whatsoever. So what they're saying is now that if there's burglary charges, you can arrest them. If it's looting charges, you cannot arrest them. However, there were no instances of burglary whatsoever. And also remember, Singleton, the police commissioner, was pictured taking a knee and raising his fist with the BLM terrorist earlier this year. So it goes to show you he's pretty much right in line with the communist left and promoting what exactly is happening right now. Because I was wondering when I saw a lot of stuff, I said, dude, if the police department got deployed, I mean, why in the world are they yoking people up by the neck that are running out of these stores stealing stuff? I mean, breaking into windows, tearing down doors, stealing stuff. Dude, they got a stand down order. So again, we see another instance in another hardcore leftist democratic city where they actually intended to incite this. And not if they incited it, they at least allowed it to happen and were told to stand down. There was a video in Philadelphia, I think it was from Monday night or Tuesday night, I don't know. There's cops, you know, there's like 15 or 20 riot cops, 
And they're running down the sidewalk away, running away, turning and running away from a group of BLM Antifa terrorists as the terrorists are chasing them with Molotov cocktails and fireworks. So this is something that's really rough right now, and everybody needs to realize this is not completely organic. They're wanting this stuff to happen. Well, of course they are, Austin, because out of, you know, out of chaos will come a new world order. And now talk about chaos. Pope Francis, okay. This guy, this guy's like a creep, all right? He's, and I'm sorry, Catholics, you know, you know he's a creep. If you're listening, you know he's awful. This is a guy who was involved in Buenos Aires and Argentina and sending thousands and thousands of parishioners to their deaths. This guy's, you know, a CIA asset all the way around, and the CIA is corrupt control through the Mossad and through these central bankers. I mean, we've talked about this so many times on the show. But now this CIA asset pope, who probably isn't even a Catholic, probably isn't even a Christian, probably doesn't even believe in Jesus, he has now come out and said, which is really kind of interesting, that you don't have to believe in God to go to heaven. Now, now you don't have to not only to not believe in Jesus, you don't even have to believe in God. I mean, the, the, the stuff these guys come up with, I mean, this guy, and why the Catholic Church hasn't gotten rid of him, it only can, the only thing it tells me is that it has to be that the Catholic Church is completely and totally compromised internally with these people that have come into the higher ranks. And here's the article. And comments likely to enhance his progressive reputation. <laughs> you mean your communist reputation? You mean his low-life reputation? His non-Christian reputation? And yeah, we talk about that too. Pope Francis has written a long open letter to the founder of the Republic newspaper stating that non-believers would be forgiven by God if they followed their consciences. What, what, is, what does that even mean? Okay, they're not believing in God, but they're following their consciences. Are we talking New Age stuff here? Yeah, pretty much. Responding to a list of questions published in the, in the paper, who is basically not a Roman Catholic, Francis wrote, You asked me if God of the Christians forgives those who don't believe and who don't seek the faith? I start by saying, and this is the fundamental thing, that God's mercy has no limits if you go to him with sincere and contrite heart. Wait a minute. The guy's an idiot. Okay? He's saying that you don't have to believe in God in order to go to heaven, but then he says that God's mercy has no limits if you go to him with sincere and contrite heart. You just said they don't even have to believe in him, so how are you supposed to go to him, Mr. Pope? You know, the, the issue for those who do not believe in God is to obey their conscience. I mean, all of this stuff is just ludicrous, and it's not based in Scripture. This boy needs to be replaced. Catholics, listen to me. I've got a friend of mine. His name's Tom. Good friend. And I've known him for about a, year, a little over a year now. And I've, I've talked to him about this in length. And he's had about enough. He's so frustrated with it all. You know, I mean, how in the world can the largest, quote-unquote, one, one of the largest denominations in the world have a leader who doesn't even think you have to believe in God to get to heaven? If you don't believe in God, you don't even think there is a heaven. I mean, it's just the whole thing's twisted. But again, this is where we find ourselves in massive, massive chaos right now. You know, the other day I did a show and I talked about how the deer in Cades Cove up in North Carolina in the Great Smoky National Park had been decimated. The herd's down by 90%, and we have this wasting disease in these deer. And I attributed that to the use of GMO corn, but that wouldn't really be effective as far as what was going on in Cades Cove because they don't feed the deer GMO corn. But then I started talking about how these plants that these deer are eating are being covered by geoengineering and chemtrails and aluminum and barium and who knows what else they spray on. It's like we're a bunch of rodents. And now this article came out from the Wisconsin Academy, and it says, Prions and Plants, a New Concern for Chronic Wasting Diseases. 
Infections, infectious deformed proteins called prions, known to cause chronic wasting disease in deer, can be taken up by plants such as alfalfa, corn, and tomatoes, according to the new research from the National Wildlife Health Center in Madison. This research further demonstrates that stems and leaves from tainted plants are infectious when injected into laboratory mice. Well, now, when you inject them into laboratory mice, they might be infectious, but you got to go through the digestive tract. I mean, we've got to make sure that this thing's being done properly. Apparently, it wasn't done this way. They're using them as an injection source, which makes them infectious. A lot of things, if you inject them directly into the bloodstream, are infectious. Look at vaccines, for heaven's sakes. But it goes on to say, Christopher Johnson, the research biologist that conducted the study, writes, in the abstract, our results suggest that prions are taken up by the plants and that the contaminated plants may represent a previously unrecognized risk of human, domestic species, and wildlife exposure to these, these wasting diseases. Now, here's what I want to say to you guys, and it's really important. I've got a friends of mine this morning. I sent this article to them, and these guys are big-time hunters. In fact, one of these guys has like 3,000 acres. No, no joke. He owns a 3,000-acre hunting plantation west of Atlanta, Georgia. And they live down here in Central Florida, and they go up there and they feed the deer literally truckloads of GMO corn. And so I sent him the article this morning, along with his friends who go up there to go hunting, you know, with photographs of the mice that have been fed GMO corn that we have posted on Healthmaster's website. In fact, I'll post it as a news story today. And these mice were covered in cancer tumors. Cancer tumors. Big, huge, bulging tumors all over their bodies. Pigs that were fed GMO corn had their entire intestinal tract, like, wiped out. We have more and more people now calling me up, friends, that have problems with their intestines, problems with their small intestines, problems with all kinds of diseases that are diet-related. Another friend of mine, he basically, he's an older gentleman, he's a pastor, he contacted me this week, and he's 88 years old. The guy was as sharp as a tack six months ago. Well, come to find out, he's got leukemia. And they put him on this drug that kills your appetite, makes you unbelievably sick, causes excruciating back pain in some cases, and now he's lost about 40 pounds. He's down about 120 pounds. He is unbelievably sick. He is literally dying, and he has back pain from the chemotherapy drug they gave him. So you think through this stuff, and you go, well, what's worse for you? You know, there's natural protocols, according to the research that I've read, that which seems to indicate that vitamin C will mitigate the consequences and the problems associated with leukemia very, very quickly. And the Gerson Cancer Clinic said 100 years ago that the primary cause of leukemia was a vitamin C deficiency, which the body basically was having pre-scurvy conditions and, and basically problems, and that's why it was being diagnosed as, you know, leukemia. And they said they had a high percentage success rate in using intravenous vitamin C. This is 100 years ago, friends, in the treatment of leukemia. So here's the thing. Let me ask you a question. If a person is 88 years old, which is better to do? Try the vitamin C intravenously and see if it works? Or to go on a drug which will cause you to lose 40 pounds, have excruciating back problems, and be unbelievably debilitated until you go to death? And then I started doing research on this particular drug, and some of the side effects are you know, sudden death. Some of the side effects are instant heart attacks. Some of the side effects are, my husband used this product for one week and he died of a massive heart attack in his sleep. Yeah, think through what they tell you to do. If you don't like what they tell you to do as far as from the medical doctor's standpoint, then at that point, 
find yourself another medical doctor who's willing to use vitamin C intravenously with you, who's willing to try something besides these drugs. Now think about it for a second. The guy's 88 years old. He doesn't have a whole lot of time left to start with. What If he makes it to 100, he's got 12 years, and chances are he won't make it to 100 statistically. So what's the best way to do this? To try to, a nutrition approach to get his vitamin C levels and his energy levels back up? Or give him a chemotherapy drug product that's going to kill him within six months or cause a massive heart attack or cause him to have such debilitating back pain he can't even walk anymore, and now he's having to go to an orthopedic surgeon? Yeah, to have back surgery. You know how difficult it is if you have... If you're 88 years old, to go under general anesthesia and wake up from it and not die, that general anesthesia is some rough stuff, guys. And the, so it sets up a scenario. Now you got these drugs have to be taken to combat these drugs. These drugs have to combat these drugs. Remember, like 90% of a person's medical expenses are in the last like year of their life in the United States, which is ludicrous. It's ludicrous. And so this is one of the reasons that medical expenses have become so high because of the supply and the demand for the people going to the doctors who are, you know, in their last year, last two years of life, they're doing everything they possibly can to extend their life another six, eight months. Here's the question. If you're going to extend your life six or eight months and you're going to be miserable puking and throwing up the whole time and thinking you're dead, about your half dead, can't walk yet, wouldn't it be easier to check out if you're a Christian and go to be God with heaven and not have to deal with all that? Let me tell you something. Homeboy here ain't doing chemotherapy ever. It ain't going to happen. I'm not going to put mustard gas in my system. This is like from chemotherapy. It's basically based you know, trench warfare with mustard gas. I'm not putting that stuff in my system. I'm not doing radiation. Now, if I had to do something like you know, surgery, like if I had a tumor or whatever had to be removed, that's no big deal. That's not, as long as preferably under a local without having to use general anesthesia. I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. And I sure don't have a problem with taking turmeric and vitamin C intravenously and D3 and potassium iodide and all these different things that help to strengthen the immune system. But think through what they tell you to do. I had another doctor. In fact, he's an orthopedic surgeon. And I had to call him up the other day for my pastor friend. And he told me, he said, well, Ted, you you realize how bad statin drugs are? (laughs) This is what the surgeon told me. And I said, yeah, I kind of wrote a book on it. And he goes, you don't understand, Ted. It's really bad. This whole thing with cholesterol is a complete and total lie. Statin drugs are like a nightmare. This is a medical doctor telling me this. I said, yeah, I know, doc. (laughs) I wrote the book. I did write an entire chapter in Breakthrough Health on that particular topic. He goes, oh, can you bring me a copy of the book? And I said, sure, I'll bring you a copy of the book. So I'm personally taking my 88-year-old pastor friend, I mean, me personally, I'm picking him up and taking over to see the surgeon today to combat the effects of the drug he was given for the leukemia. This is insanity, guys, and this is the Rockefeller Rothschild medical industrial complex that's designed, and Austin said this so carefully yesterday and so succinctly, to extract the last little bit of money they can from you before you die to make sure they squeeze you dry before you check out. What a mess. Austin, what do you think? He nails it on the head. I mean, according to Statistica.com, the gross pharmaceutical drug sale in the United States, not global, not global, United States last year was $511 billion, half of a trillion dollar one year in the industry. You're talking about market cap that, I mean, is the largest, I mean, probably if not one of the largest companies, one of the largest, I guess, economies in the entire country. I mean, half a trillion dollars in in drug sales? Well, yeah, because that's what America's turned into. 
The United States has really just turned into a bunch of druggies. I mean, let's be real about it. And then, remember, this, this is all pharmaceutical sales. You go into the black market sales with heroin and everything else, it eclipses $500 billion. But remember, the pharmaceutical industrial complex is designed to do one thing, and one thing only to make as much money as physically possible by keeping people alive and as sickly as long as possible. And often people go, Austin, what do you mean by that? Keep people That's sick right. as long as possible. If they came up with a research cancer drug and it said, listen, you need one injection of this drug, something like vitamin C, oh, well, we can't talk about that one, but you take a drug and you inject it and it's $500 for the drug and it automatically neutralizes cancer cells and bam, everything stops. You don't have cancer. Guys, that's, they would, first off, A, that whole entire aspect of that drug goes against the entire business model, the pharmaceutical industrial complex. They don't want you to stay healthy. They don't want you to get better. They want to keep you on the drugs as long as you live. This is why, like Dad said with the statin drugs, statin drugs are one of the biggest lies ever pushed on the American population when it comes to pharmaceutical drugs. I think vaccines are probably a close tie for that. But the statin drugs, the aspect of cholesterol and HDL and LDL and everything else, there has never been any true research by showing the lower we make your cholesterol, the further we lower it down, the least problem you're going to have with heart disease in the future. There's none of that at all. They have found numerous research studies that go back and show the more your cholesterol drops below 200, the higher increase of disease you have and the higher chance of cancer you have. But the entire concept of them going in and saying, hey, your cholesterol's at 205, you need to go on a statin drug immediately now, or better yet, your cholesterol's even within a healthy range. They love doing this now. Remember the ADA came out, I think it was five or six years ago, I have the article on my website, I don't have it in front of me, it's from memory, came out a couple of years ago, and they actually changed the parameters on which people need statins, to the point where they said, if there is a possibility that someday you could get heart disease when you're older, you probably need to go on statin drugs now as a preemptive measure to make sure they keep your cholesterol low so you don't have heart disease in 40 or 50 years from now. I kid you not, preemptive medical intake now of medicine. It doesn't matter. You're not sick. You're actually really healthy. But you could get heart disease later on when you're 60 or 70 years old. So you should take statin drugs now to prevent it in the future. And what they don't bother to tell you is the unbelievably debilitating side effects that occur with that drug. That drug has some of the worst side effects of anything I've seen taken as far as on a mass scale. But then you go and you start looking at all these other drugs, and you realize, dude, these things are designed specifically to do one thing, and that is make an absolute insane amount of money on a regular basis, and that's exactly what they do. The drugs are not there to make you healthy. The drugs are there to make them huge amounts of profits. Being healthy does not make them money. Dad and I don't feed the medical industrial complex. I get blood work probably done once a year or so. Usually I get an independent doctor, comes back usually perfect, and that's it. I don't have to go in for a wellness checkup every single six months. I don't have to go in and ask them what drugs they need me to be on. None of that. Remember, 
you consent when you take these drugs. Just because somebody tells you you have to take something doesn't mean you have to take it. Now, I'm not telling you to not listen to your doctor. I would never say that at all. If your doctor gives you medical advice, that's completely up to you what you want to do. But what I'm saying is at least look at the side effects of these drugs before you take them. I can't even understand how many people I've talked to, they come in and say, yeah, I'm on this drug and this drug and this drug, and I feel horrible. I felt great before I started taking them. I said, well, what drugs are they? Oh, they list as this, and I don't even really know what those are. What's the side effects? Well, I don't know. Let's pull them up. All right, search engine, side effects of X drug. Well, the side effects that you're experiencing now and all the stuff you have and basically your prostate's swollen and your muscles hurt and your back hurts and you have headaches and fatigue and no sex drive, those are actually like the first five side effects on this drug right here. Oh, my gosh, are you serious? I said, yeah, you didn't bother to do this? Well, no, I didn't know. Well, it's, it's taken me all of 20 seconds to research this information. Why don't you go talk to your doctor and figure out if this is best for you? Oh, okay. Guys, do your own research. Ask questions. Look at what's really going on and realize that in most cases, the medical industrial complex is not there to make you healthy. They are there to make money off you as long as they can keep you alive. When you no longer serve a purpose and no longer make them money anymore, then at that point, they're pretty much cashed you out and you're done. Like that said, vast majority of people's medical expenses are the final years of their life. And as we've seen with a lot of individuals I know that have gotten older and they've died, in most cases, in my opinion, the drugs end up killing them long before whatever else they're treating or old age would have killed them before. So understand, things like vitamin D3, vitamin C, iodine, those are crucial for the immune system. Those are crucial in making sure you have a healthy immune system that can fight off anything. Do not live with fear with what's going on right now. The propaganda is some of the most aggressive I've ever seen right now in my entire life with COVID. The articles that are coming out, I, I even briefly read a Washington Post article just for giggles the other day and it was going in and saying how people are becoming reluctant to these necessary lockdowns and this is why we're having all these issues with COVID resurgence we're having another wave because people will not go stay inside their house and we need to completely lock everything down so the Washington Post is saying it. of course it is it's Amazon it's CIA that's what, that's what of course they're going to push that remember the CIA is absolutely incredible at psychological operations at PSYOPs they're incredible at that. They've basically written a handbook on that, and their fingerprints are all over this COVID. Look at the truth, understand what's going on, and continue to get the truth out there and wake as many people up as you can, Dad. You know, Austin, you got to look how the CIA is controlled through the international banking cartels, and we've talked about this so many times. It's it's like it's their it's like their private army. It's like the CIA, the Mossad, MI six. These guys are controlled. They're all controlled. I mean, look, the CIA slings $1.5 trillion worth of dope heroin out of Afghanistan every year to run black ops. Now, if that doesn't just send chills up your spine, I don't know what you can do. By the way, the name of this drug that I was talking about is called I-M-B-R-U-V-I-C-A, Imbrufica. And this is for treat chronic lymphotic, lymphatic leukemia. Let me read some of the side effects on this. This is this is interesting. This, this is you know is interesting. Uh, I've been on this product for six weeks because of bad side effects. My doctor stopped the medication, so they stopped the medication. Said I've had total diarrhea all the time. Another one. My husband has a leukemia. He's living a full active life with leukemia. He had no risk factors for a cardiac event. He died suddenly of cardiac arrest when this product was given to him. Wow. 
then it goes on, you know, he says, I started taking this drug in August 2019. I had to stop after only one dose due to an ER visit showing an infection. I mean, unbelievable. It's just, it's just, it's just on and on and on. You know, you know, it, it just, I'm not going to read any more of this stuff. It's too negative. But the problem is, these are side effects that people are actually posting online and it says user reviews for Imbruvica to treat chronic leukemia. And then you go back and you look at this article. This is another really good article. I want to give you, give it to you real quick so you can look it up yourself. I'll post this on the website. And it's basically the abstract source is antioxidants from Basil, 2018, July 16, 7, 7, basically EPUB 218, July 16, PMID. And it's called The Case Study Highlights the Benefits of Intravenous Vitamin C as Supportive Therapy, therapy for Previously Relapsed leukemia and it goes into detail on what it does as far as helping these folks I'm going to put the post this on the line too for you guys so there are all types of alternative treatment protocols don't think that just because a guy has an MD or a DO or a DC or any kind of degree behind his name that he is going to be right when he makes a prognosis and he suggests a treatment protocol get more than one opinion Yesterday I had a lady call me up and she's pregnant. She's going to have a baby in like three weeks. And she says, I don't know what to do. I can't find a pediatrician who will take me in as a patient with my baby unless I do full vaccination schedule. They've all said no, no, and no, and no, and go somewhere else, no. And I told her, I said, that's because some of these big insurance companies, if they maintain a 90% vaccination rate, they get like a four or $500,000 bonus to their practice every year paid to them directly from the Rothschild Rockefeller controlled insurance company. She said, yeah. oh. And I said, well, what you need to do is look in your online and find a natural medical doctor, natural DO in your area who's a general practitioner who's willing to take you and your baby on as patients. You don't have to go to a pediatrician for an infant. Guys, newsflash. We never had a pediatrician for any of our children, Ever. We went to a general practitioner who didn't require vaccinations. But you're going to have to do some research on that. I love you guys. I appreciate you. I need you guys to pray for my pastor buddy today as we take him to the doctor. Real important you do that for me. I'll keep you posted let you know what they say tomorrow. I got to pray for you guys this morning. I love you. I appreciate you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Finish it up, Oz. Yes, absolutely. And that's, you know, we, we ran into the same issue as far as with our children. And it, you'll be very hard-pressed to find a full, true pediatrician. The thing that's funny about it, though, is most people are so geared mindset-wise that, hey, if I have a kid, it's got to go to a pediatrician. Why? Why? If a medical doctor doesn't know anything about children, I mean, they, they have absolutely no idea about kids at all whatsoever. I mean, it's not like kids are some weird alien species. They're just smaller versions of us. <laughs> concept nobody gets. It's not hard. If you're trained in, you know, basically that level, applying it to a smaller child is not difficult. You can figure it out pretty easy if you're a smart MD. We had a local doctor who was all natural, and he was great. He's still a medical doctor, and uh, he's the one that we took the kids to most of the time when they were younger. But people always have this concept. I got to take my kids to the doctor. It's been two months. I got to take it for a checkup. I got to take it for a checkup. Your kid's two years old. They're speaking, they're walking, they're extremely healthy. Why do they have to go in for a checkup? That's a million dollar question I've been able to, I've never been able to get an answer from for most people. Why? The only
only reason they train you to take the child to the pediatrician repeatedly every couple months is to get their next shot of vaccines and do their wellness check. Oh, and we need to get your vaccine schedule going as well. That's the only reason they do it, to get you trained as a young adult, to get you to train your child as a toddler that you have to go to the doctor on a regular basis. It's a mind control technique. If your kid's not sick, if they're not coughing and hacking for a week, if they don't have a severe ear infection, if they're not grossly ill from something, why in the world do they have to go to the pediatrician every couple months and especially have the chance of getting exposed to something else that some child may have in there? Don't know. Never understood that concept. I mean, when I grew up, I never went to the doctor hardly ever because I wasn't ever sick. Same thing. My parents are like, why are we taking you to the doctor if you're not sick? I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like going to the doctor. You know, and they can hit my knee. I mean, sure, if you want to check something out as far as their height and weight, but can't you do that at home? We got a board at our house. We measure weight or measure height on it, watch as they go up. That's easy to do as well. You want to get a stethoscope? Get a stethoscope. If you want to hear their lungs? That's really easy to use as well. There's so many different things besides having to go to a pediatrician that just wants to shoot them up with six, seven, eight vaccines every time they see the child and keep the child chronically ill, and then they tell you, Oh, that's just normal when you have a kid. These things happen. They're used to having their adenoids removed and their tonsils removed and tubes put in their ears. It makes me drive me up a wall when I hear parents repeat that from what their doctors tell them. That's not normal. Those organs were put in the body by God for a reason. They weren't designed to come out. The reason why these kids have these huge inflammatory responses is because of what is being injected right through their skin into their bloodstream. Please do your research on that and understand it. Thank you again for the continued support of healthmasters.com. Continue to stay prepared. Get this truth out there as much as you can. Talk to people. we got articles all over the website. If you need anything, we're still shipping stuff out same day right now. Everything is blitzing fast right now. They're shipping. We're getting out super fast. The HR5 coupon still active on all the food buckets, including the kids. A lot of people have been taking advantage of that right now, getting prepped and ready. That'll be going on until Friday. Have a blessed, safe, awesome night, my friends. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you again on this show tomorrow as always.